Please be advised that this episode contains names and representations of Indigenous Australians. The blazing sun cast an orange glow across the Australian outback. In the distance, an Aboriginal hunter walked across its barren plains. His name is lost to history, as is the exact date, although it was sometime in the early 19th century. There wasn't much to see aside from some shrubs and maybe a few scurrying mice. But as the sun set and the moon rose, the exhausted hunter found a body of water. It might have been a river or maybe a brackish pool known as a billabong. This was a welcome sight for the thirsty man. But as he approached, he saw a dark shape lurking in the water's depths. Some kind of animal. The hunter could barely make out the creature. It was huge, black, and sleek. It swam like a frog, its powerful legs kicking behind it, and it was speeding right toward him. Before the hunter could flee, the creature exploded to the surface and stood before him on two hind legs. It puffed out its feathered chest, and its long bill gaped open in a primal scream. In a lifetime wandering the Australian desert, the hunter had never seen a creature like this. He'd only ever heard of it. It was his first encounter with the legendary Bunyip. And as the monster raked its saber-like claws across the man's chest, he realized it would also be his last. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our sole episode on the legendary Bunyip. For thousands of years, the Aboriginal Australians shared tales of an elusive creature that lurks in the water, a monster that kills anything in its path, including people. Today, we'll explore the ancient mystery of the Bunyip. We'll meet a hunter who believed he killed the beast, but didn't live to tell the tale. Then, we'll try to determine where the animal came from, what it looked like, and whether it even exists. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. 
Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Australia sits like an island between the Indian and Pacific Oceans. Because of its isolation, the continent is home to many unique animals, like koala bears and kangaroos. And for thousands of years, its people developed a society away from the influence of the outside world. Unfortunately, the Aboriginal Australians didn't keep written records. There's no documentation of their history or culture before British colonists arrived in 1788. But within a few years, the colonists began publishing stories about what they learned from the Aboriginal people, including a terrifying legend about a monster. It was a man-eating aquatic beast known well in Aboriginal myth. The creature was called Bunyip. The tale of the bunyip is as old as Australia itself. According to folklore, the beast was once a man who took too many fish from a river. To punish him for his greed, the local elders turned him into a fish-like creature and banished him to the riverbed. There he remained to punish anyone who abused the river. Take too many fish, and the bunyip would pull you in and drag you out to sea. In another Bunyip story, two brothers, one older and one younger, went to a swamp to collect swan's eggs. They found a large nest and roasted several of them. The older brother, whom we'll call Jural, was satisfied with his meal. But his younger brother was greedy and wanted to go back for more. Jural told him not to, but his youthful sibling ignored his warning and stole every egg he could. As he waded back to shore, the younger brother felt a rush of water behind him. He looked around to see animals fleeing the swamp in terror. The young man tried to run, but his feet and legs were stuck in the swamp's muddy floor. Panic gripped him as he struggled to escape, but it was no use. He couldn't move. Suddenly, a wave lifted him from the mud and carried him back to the swan's nest. There, a giant bunyip was waiting for him. The terrified man couldn't even beg for his life before the monster lunged. By the time Jural came to check on his younger sibling, it was too late. His greedy brother was already dead, his body disemboweled. The bunyip dropped the mutilated corpse. Heartbroken, Jural took his sibling's body home and burned it. In that folktale, the younger brother was killed for taking more than his due. But in other stories of the bunyip, its vengeance is more unpredictable. 
Sometimes the beast killed without any discernible reason. Perhaps this is because the purpose of the legend is twofold. Tales of the Bunyip were often used to teach Aboriginal Australian children about the dangers of overfishing and also water safety. If they weren't careful in the water or didn't respect the animals that lived there, well, there'd be consequences. All Bunyip stories had commonalities. They all agreed the monster lived in the water and attacked both animals and humans. And they all mentioned the creature's thunderous, terrifying roar. The Bunyip's cry was said to be so loud it could shake the bottles off the top shelf of a distant bar. But that's where the consensus stopped. Descriptions of the Bunyip's appearance varied wildly. In one report, it had the head of an emu, the bill of a platypus, and a long stingray-like bone that protruded from the sides of its mouth. Some described it as a half-man, half-fish. In other tellings, the bunyip had shaggy fur, scales, or feathers, flippers, or legs. Some accounts claimed its features resembled those of a horse, seal, or dog. The bunyip was even described as a giant starfish. These many contradictions might suggest the bunyip doesn't exist at all. There's just too much inconsistency to take it seriously. But in the early 1800s, British colonists were determined to know for sure. They suspected the bunyip could be real, and the only way to be sure was to capture or kill one. However, if the legends are to be believed, while they hunted the bunyip, the bunyip was hunting them. Coming up, the colonists find more than they bargained for. What could be more shocking than uncovering the dark secrets behind history's biggest stories? Realizing that everything you thought was true was a lie. Hi, it's Molly from the Parkhead series Conspiracy Theories. Each week, we take a closer look at the blurred line between fact and fiction, revealing that there may be more to the so-called truth than you think. The rise and fall of J. Edgar Hoover, 75 years of Roswell, the tragic death of Princess Diana. On Conspiracy Theories, we leave no stone unturned and no skeptic unheard. Some may be just outlandish claims. Others may make you rethink everything. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Conspiracy Theories. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. For thousands of years, Aboriginal Australians told stories of the Bunyip. Descriptions of the monster varied wildly, but all the stories agreed the creature was deadly. When British colonists heard about the beast, 
the search was on. In 1818, explorers Hamilton Hume and James Meehan were on an expedition near Lake Bathurst in southeastern Australia. Hume and Meehan were seasoned explorers and familiar with most Australian animals, including the extinct ones. They knew how to recognize bones from so-called megafauna, including giant-sized lizards and massive birds. Amongst biologists, a well-known evolutionary rule of thumb says any creature will evolve to be as large as its environment permits. This means so long as it has enough resources, a species can potentially get bigger. If it grows too large, it'll either die out or evolve to be smaller again. Many ancient Australian animals were like enormous versions of their modern counterparts, A kangaroo that lived until about 15,000 years ago could weigh around 440 pounds. A modern kangaroo is less than half that heavy, about 176 pounds. An extinct monitor lizard species could grow up to 15 feet long. But today, Australian monitor lizards max out at just over 6 feet. Hume and Meehan were likely looking for these massive extinct animals at Lake Bathurst. But among the usual assortment of bones, Hume found something unprecedented, a large skeleton of a creature he'd never seen before. He wondered if this could be a bunyip. However, Hume returned from his expedition without the mysterious skeleton. We don't know why he left it behind, but he shared his discovery with the scientific community. His story drew a lot of attention. A local organization even offered to pay Hume to return to the lake and retrieve the skeleton. But Hume declined and never explained why. Perhaps he was lying about the discovery to gain notoriety. Or maybe... He was afraid to draw the ire of any living bunyip by disturbing their gravesite. We'll never know, and without concrete evidence to prove his account, Hume's mysterious find was consigned to the dustbin of history. However, more than a quarter century later, another mission would produce an alleged bunyip corpse. According to one version of events, in the late 1840s, over 25 years after Hume's expedition, a British surveyor named Edmund Kennedy led a large bunyip hunt in eastern Australia. Kennedy was more than qualified for the task. He was an experienced explorer with several trips under his belt. But the journey through the Australian wilderness soon proved to be deadly. For five months, the Kennedy party trekked through mangroves and rainforests, steadily losing men and horses to hunger and disease. But most unsettling was a mysterious sound they would hear in the distance. It occasionally echoed through the jungle, stopping the men in their tracks. They were deep, booming roars. The explorers had never heard anything like this before. They were convinced the sounds came from the bunyip. It had to be nearby, so they were forced to keep moving. One day, a member of the party was scouting ahead when a giant bird-like creature leapt into his path. It had rainbow feathers and sturdy legs with five-inch claws. Then, suddenly, it lunged. The creature pinned the terrified explorer to the ground. 
As the man struggled against the beast, he barely had time to point his gun and shoot. He prayed his aim was on target. If it wasn't, he didn't know if he'd live to fire again. Luck was with the hunter. He managed to shoot and kill the monster. Once it was dead, the man examined it. It had thick legs, a feathered body, and a blue head. Later, the rest of the hunting party agreed it was unlike anything they'd ever seen. Kennedy and his team came to a natural conclusion. At last, they'd done it. They'd found the bunyip and killed it. Now all they had to do was get it home. But the Australian rainforest wasn't accommodating. Kennedy's bunyip carcass quickly disintegrated in the hot, wet climate. A month later, every horse and person in the hunting party had died. Everyone except for Edmund Kennedy and one other companion. Now alone, they wandered until they encountered a community of Aboriginal Australians. It's unclear whether they knew Kennedy had been hunting the bunyip. Whatever their reasons, they stabbed him to death with poison-tipped spears. Thus ended the Edmund Kennedy bunyip hunt. This was the second time an explorer had claimed to find evidence of the bunyip, but failed to produce it. But soon, everything changed. In 1846, colonists found a mysterious skull on the banks of the Murrumbidgee River in southeast Australia. The skull seemed to come from a recently deceased animal. It was the size of a calf's skull, but with a strange bump on one side. It didn't look like it had come from a calf or any known beast. A newspaper report claimed the skull belonged to a bunyip. The fossil went on display in the Australian Museum in Sydney, where it drew crowds of visitors. But the rest of the skeleton was never recovered. And because no other bunyip skulls had ever been found, there was nothing to compare it to. There was no way to determine if the skull actually belonged to the legendary beast. At least, not right away. But eventually, further study revealed the skull didn't come from a mythical creature at all. It was from a deformed fetal horse, a specimen that naturalists couldn't identify at first glance. So once again, Bunyip researchers found themselves at square one. They wouldn't find another piece of notable evidence until 1852, when a man named William Buckley's biography was published. Buckley was a British soldier who fought against Napoleon. After his military service, he was charged with receiving stolen property. Despite his claims of innocence, Buckley went on trial and lost his case. His punishment was a 14-year sentence in the British penal colony of Australia. Buckley arrived in 1803. But he didn't stay for long. Due to a lack of clean water, the colonial government closed the prison. Soon, Buckley and the other prisoners learned they were being transferred to a new facility on Tasmania. Tasmania is an island off the southern coast of Australia. It's reasonably close to Antarctica, so its winters can be extremely cold. Buckley may have been confident he could survive for 14 years on the Australian mainland, but living in Tasmania was another matter. 
He knew his life depended on escaping before his transfer, so he plotted with three other prisoners to break out. One night, Buckley and his co-conspirators ran off into the bush. Guards shot one of the fleeing prisoners, but the other three, including Buckley, escaped. The men were free, but they hadn't planned where to go from there. They argued about what to do next, and ultimately, Buckley split off from the group. For weeks, he wandered through the Australian wilderness. Finally, close to death, he encountered some Aboriginal Australians who fed him and took him in. Buckley spent the rest of his life among the indigenous people. Eventually, in 1852, a man named John Morgan published Buckley's life story. In it, he documented Buckley's prison break, plus lots of stories he had learned from the Aboriginal Australians. Many of these accounts featured the Bunyip. According to Buckley, the indigenous community believed the monster was real, ferocious, and had supernatural powers. He reported he'd even seen the Bunyip on multiple occasions, but only its back. And he never spotted one out of the water, where he could get a clear view. However, Buckley claimed the creature had gray feathers and was the size of a calf. But he couldn't back up his accounts with any hard evidence. His biography only included his alleged first-hand sightings, plus other stories and vague rumors, but nothing verifiable. If anyone wanted to prove the Bunyip existed, they'd need to explore the mystery with a scientific approach. Three decades later, Charles Gould did just that. All his life, Charles had been surrounded by science. His father, John, was a zoologist who published a seven-volume tome titled The Birds of Australia. Charles's mother, Elizabeth, was a natural history artist. She contributed 600 drawings to various publications, including many illustrations in her husband's work. As for Charles himself, he was a talented and diligent scientist who worked in the United States, England, and Tasmania. He also held several Australian political offices as a coal commissioner, gold commissioner, and territorial magistrate. So when Charles Gould attempted to study the Bunyip, he did so with a sense of scientific integrity. In 1886, Charles published his findings in his work Mythical Monsters, which included stories of many legendary Australian creatures. But despite his hard work and diligence, Charles had no more luck than his predecessors in finding hard evidence of the Bunyip. However, that didn't stop him from speculating on what an authentic Bunyip might look like. Charles once claimed the beast was merely a platypus. Perhaps superstitious or easily startled Australians had spotted the ordinary animal, but exaggerated its features in their minds. After all, some reports suggested the bunyip was aquatic with a duck-like snout, flippers, and dark gray or brown skin. That description fits a platypus fairly well. Of course, the bunyip was also described as having lots of other strange traits. Platypuses don't have tusks, let alone rainbow feathers and long hind legs. 
Charles likely assumed at least some of these reports were fanciful storytelling. But he couldn't account for other discrepancies. When he inquired into alleged Bunyip sightings, he learned the creature had been spotted in two very different locations. Tasmania's Derwent River and Western Australia's Shannon River. To travel between them, a platypus would have had to swim from Tasmania to Australia's mainland, all while navigating treacherous terrain. The feet didn't seem like something an ordinary animal could survive. For these reasons, some Bunyip enthusiasts rejected Charles' proposal. They maintained the creature had to be a mythical or magical beast and held to this belief for generations. Then, over a century later, one man resolved to find it, an intrepid explorer who called himself Tim the Yowie Man. Tim's name is a reference to the Yowie, an Australian yeti. According to Tim's website, he once spotted the ferocious man-eating monster in the Australian mountains. Although he didn't have any proof of this encounter, or that the Yowie even exists, he seemed to have an established track record of finding elusive mythological creatures. Perhaps this would help him succeed where previous bunyip hunters had failed. In 1996, Tim launched a two-day hunt for the bunyip, and there, in the swamps of Southeast Australia, he found a clue, possible droppings. They likely had a musky smell and may have been full of bones, feathers, and other remains of whatever the creature had eaten. In other words, they looked like they'd come from a fox. In fact, Tim believed they likely did come from a fox, but still, he couldn't be sure. So, in the name of science, he collected the scat in a specimen jar. That night, he slept with the container of feces next to his pillow. Apparently, they were too precious to let out of his sight. But in the morning, when Tim awoke, the jar was gone. He frantically searched the surrounding area, perhaps hoping it had simply rolled away while he was sleeping. But he couldn't find it anywhere. The specimen had been his best shot at finding the bunyip, and it had slipped through his fingers. There doesn't seem to be any real explanation for what happened to Tim's jar. We could speculate about who the thief was, but any guess we could make would be completely unsupported by the evidence. In fact, it's possible the droppings never existed at all. Or if they did, Tim destroyed them himself knowing tests would show they'd come from a fox. It does feel pretty convenient that his alleged bunyip evidence disappeared before it could undergo any kind of analysis. But Tim wasn't deterred. 17 years later in 2013, he launched another expedition, this time documented by a television crew. But this hunt proved to be as unfruitful as the last. Tim fell into a mud pit and got stuck. He was charged by a bull cow on a dairy farm, and he found a local pub where he heard some old bunyip tales and had a couple of beers. But alas, no bunyip. He was the latest to fall into a centuries-old pattern. Naturalists, hunters, and other enthusiasts had all tried and failed to capture the bunyip. 
But while they chased their proverbial tails through the Australian outback, scientists sought other explanations for the legendary beast. And their conclusions suggested the legends may hold some truth. Coming up, what we've known about the bunyip all along. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, back to the story. For hundreds of years, bunyip hunters have tried and failed to capture the mythical creature. So it's fair to ask whether the beast's story is, well, just a story. Perhaps one that serves an important social function. Tales of mysterious aquatic man-eating creatures are fairly common across the globe. And the traditional bunyip narrative resembles numerous other mythical creatures from different societies. Like the bunyip, Scotland's Loch Ness Monster lived in water and occasionally attacked humans. From the 1930s to the present, numerous partial photographs of the beast have appeared, but none of the full creature. Nor has anyone ever captured a Loch Ness Monster. The tale may have stemmed from the Scottish legend of the Kelpie, a water spirit, just as the bunyip originated from Aboriginal folklore. The Polynesian myth of the Tanifa bears an even closer resemblance to the bunyip. The Tanifa was a giant reptilian-like creature the size of a whale. In stories, it had teeth as large as swords and a flaming tongue. Sometimes it lived in caverns or at the bottoms of rivers or lakes. It devoured men, women, and children without mercy. According to Polynesian folklore, it took 340 warriors to kill one Tanifa. When the awful battle was over, the surviving fighters cut open the water dragon's belly. What they found was an unholy trove of human remains, clothing, and weapons. Other stories, like the biblical tale of the Leviathan, may also fit in this category. Throughout the text, the Leviathan is described as an aquatic serpent that must be killed by God. Regardless of where or when they came from, these legends are all similar. Perhaps that's because they all hint at a universal truth. Psychoanalyst Carl Jung believed sea monster tales were allegories about deep emotional struggles. Jung was a famous and accomplished collaborator of Sigmund Freud. He believed human cognition was binary. Every person had a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. 
As he described it, the conscious mind contained all the thoughts we're aware of, your to-do list, your opinions about the TV show you're binge-watching, your dinner plans, and so on. The unconscious mind contained those fears and feelings that lurk just beneath the surface. The kind that make their way into your thoughts when you least expect them. Perhaps you never realized you had a fear of heights until you visited the Empire State Building. Or maybe an ordinary interaction makes you furious because of an unexpected emotional trigger. Jung would say these reactions don't come out of nowhere. They've always been with you. You just weren't aware of them. Sometimes, these unconscious emotions can feel unsettling. Occasionally, they can be terrifying. A sudden, irrational fear might leave someone too paralyzed to leave an unsafe situation. Or a sudden sexual impulse might fill a person with shame. According to some scholars, Jung suggested the key to emotional health was to confront these unconscious thoughts, which fell into a certain archetype. And this is where the sea monster comes in. Jung theorized that stories about terrifying mythological creatures were essentially inherited. He suggested these figures may represent the psyche's darker aspects. Like the mythological creatures, certain unconscious thoughts were dangerous when they took control. But if a person acknowledged them and remained vigilant, they could avoid that danger. The Bunyip tale fits this theory. After all, the first Aboriginal stories focus on preventing certain impulses. If one wasn't careful, the Bunyip would emerge from the water and punish them for their greed or recklessness. It's a tale as old as time, and like many folk tales from around the world, it comes with a lesson. So maybe the Bunyip story is just a parable. But these explanations can't account for the Bunyip's numerous eyewitnesses, especially those who weren't Aboriginal Australians and had different cultural myths. William Buckley and Edmund Kennedy encountered something out there, something that Jungian theories can't explain. But perhaps modern zoology can. It's possible that they crossed paths with a creature known as a cassowary, Similar to an emu or an ostrich, the cassowary is a large, flightless bird. It can grow to be nearly six feet tall and weigh as much as 160 pounds, and is indigenous to Papua New Guinea and northeastern Australia. Its body is covered in shaggy black feathers, but the cassowary also has a colorful blue and red neck and a blue head topped by a hard, wedge-like crest and its three-toed feet have four-inch claws that it uses as weapons. The cassowary would certainly look bizarre to early colonists, so much so that they could have mistaken it for a bunyip. It's also strong enough to attack a hunter and seriously threaten their life. The problem is cassowaries usually stay on dry land and accounts of the bunyip almost always emphasize that the monster is aquatic. And some accounts don't describe the bunyip as bird-like at all. Some claim it resembled a dog. In fact, the Australian outback is populated by wild canines known as dingoes. But like the cassowary, dingoes are not aquatic. 
They can swim, but the water isn't their primary habitat. Additionally, the wild dogs rarely attack people, unlike the deadly bunyip. But just because no animal today perfectly embodies the bunyip doesn't mean it never existed. In fact, descriptions of the bunyip match the fossils of now-extinct Australian megafauna, the same ones studied by Hamilton Hume, who allegedly found a bunyip skeleton all those years ago. One such creature was a 15-foot-long dragon-like lizard. Another was a large, flightless bird similar to the cassowary. But while the cassowary is six feet tall, this creature towered at ten feet. Both species are over a million years old and live during the Pleistocene epoch. Though we don't know exactly when they went extinct, it's possible they survived long enough to be seen by the first Aboriginal Australians. However, any possible overlap wasn't long. But perhaps it was just enough time for the people to spy these monstrous animals and begin telling stories about them. But this ancient animal theory still leaves us with questions. Kennedy's expedition reported they heard a strange, booming roar in the distance, and numerous other accounts emphasized the power of a bunyip's cry. These witnesses weren't hearing long-extinct creatures. And the sound couldn't have come from a cassowary, platypus, or dingo. In fact, the noise likely didn't come from an animal at all. Australian swamps are filled with a type of damp moss called peat. Peat expands when the weather gets warmer and contracts when it grows colder. When peat expands, it pulls air into it, then squeezes it back out when it contracts. This makes a noise that, from a distance, can sound like a colossal roar. Tim the Yowie Man found support for this theory while speaking to a pub owner. The gentleman had once lived near a peat swamp where the bunyip was often heard. But in the 1960s, the swamp was dammed, the peat moss died, and the creature's roar was never heard again. So all in all, it seems the most likely explanation is wet moss. Or perhaps the bunyip was offended by the construction of a dam in its beloved swamp, so it simply left. Ultimately, we may never know for sure whether the creature of Australian myth is real. But even if there isn't a literal beast lurking in the billabongs and rivers, accounts of the monsters seem to touch on emotional truths. Just in case the bunyip does exist, be careful when you go hunting or fishing. Keep your wits about you, and don't take more than you need. After all, something may be hunting you. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back next time with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. 
It is executive produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by K. Adam Bloom, edited by Angela Jorgensen and Alex Garland, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Chelsea Wood, and produced by Bruce Katovich. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. 